Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We are finishing up a series that we've called Ready or Not, Here I Come. We've been talking about the end times uh, and the return of Christ. And I hope this has been valuable to you. This has been, just for me personally, it has been encouraging. It's been an awakening and a sense of urgency, I believe, that God wants to place within the body of Christ. You know that we said, let me give you a quick review. We started in Matthew 24, and that chapter is just chock full. Jesus is telling his disciples signs of the end times. He says, when you see these things begin to happen, get ready because my return is near. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had a moment or an experience where you felt like the rapture had taken place and you were left behind? Only two people? Am I the only one that's had that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the people that you know and love and trust, and they're they're not where they're supposed to be. Or maybe you go home and you can't find your parents, and you thought the Lord had come and you got left. And, And let me ask you this. Who would you call to make sure that the rapture didn't take place? Is there somebody in your mind, in your life, that you'd say, oh, no, no, if this person is still here, I know that I'm good. For me, it's Rachel. Rachel is the holiest, most godly. That girl ain't never committed a sin in her life. Mm. And if she's here, I know I'm good. But if I'm here, you might want to just call Rachel and just confirm that the Lord still has yet to return. And let me ask you this. Here's a good litmus test. Would you be on somebody's call list? Mm. Mm. Turn to your neighbor and say, would you call me? Mm, If not, we need to be. Jesus was giving signs of the end times and his uh, appearing, his return. Uh, We talked about the parable of the bridesmaids, the five wise and the five foolish. And remember, the the lesson there Jesus is wanting to communicate is for us to be ready. If you were here last week, we talked about the parable of the talents. Remember the five talent, two talent, and one talent servants. And and we talked about being useful. Okay, so today I want to finish Matthew chapter 20. And let me give you some context here. This is the continuation of Jesus' conversation with his disciples. Now, Jesus spent much of his ministry to the public. But this is the Passion Week, the final week of Jesus leading up to the cross. And so he shifts from his public ministry to private instruction. It's like to the 12, this is their, their tutoring This is their personal application, and he's going to talk to them in this passage about the sheep and the goats, okay, the sheep and the goats. This is the judgment at the beginning of the millennial reign. For those of you that are Bible scholars, a good companion chapter for you to study this week would be Revelation chapter 20, if you want to jot that down. What I'm going to speak is out of Matthew 25, but a good additional extracurricular. How many of you like extra credit? Okay, only two of you. It may be good to read Revelation chapter 20 as a companion study to this passage. Jesus says this. He says in in verse 31 of Matthew 25, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. 
All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left hand. Now, notice the difference between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. When Jesus came the first time, he came in humility, in the innocence of a child. We celebrate that at Christmas, born in a Bethlehem manger. When he came the first time, he came in humility. When he comes the second time, he's coming in authority. Can I have a good amen? When he came the first time, he died alone on a cross. But when he comes again, he will come back reigning with all of the heavenly host. When he came the first time, he came under judgment. But when he comes the second time, he will be the righteous judge seated upon the throne. Can I have a good amen? Now, notice what's happening here. Jesus, from his throne with all the heavenly hosts, the Bible says there's a separation and gives us two groups. We got the sheep on the right hand, and we have the goats on the left hand. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, nobody wants to be the goat. And somebody said... uh, You don't want to be the goat on this day. Now, I know there's terminology in our current world where the goat is a good thing. We say, he's the goat or she's the goat. Have you heard that? Yeah, goat, G-O-A-T, the greatest of all times. Oh, yeah, man, Michael Jordan is the goat, man. Nobody better. He's the greatest of all times. But on this day, you do not want to be in the group of the goats. I remember being in grade school and we had subtle ways of classifying people. In a reading group, there were three different reading groups in my elementary school. You had the Eagles, you had the Robins, and then the rest of us were called Pigeons. Come on, somebody. I didn't know how I ended up in the Pigeons. But there was something intuitively that I knew instinctively, the eagles is where it's at. Okay, Jesus, seated upon the throne, divides these animals into two different groups. There are sheep on his right hand. Now, biblically, and you'll know this, if you were at the right hand, biblically, that was symbolic of strength. It was symbolic of favor. It was symbolic of honor. At the right hand were the sheep, and they were to be honored. At the left hand were the goats, and that was a place of dishonor. Now, now let, let me be quick to say this, that man will try to put you in a box. Religion is quick to classify people. Can I have a good amen? I want to tell you as your pastor, don't let religion label you, classify you, categorize you. You see, man will create all kind of rules to put you in a specific box. But let me ask you this. Who's the one that's seated on the throne? Who's the one making the decision of the right and the left? It's Jesus the righteous judge. And so I want to encourage us as the body of Christ, don't fall into religion. Don't let man or religion put you in a box. Trust Jesus with an eternal relationship. If, If Jesus is the one making the decision, then your relationship with him is key. 
Somebody, somebody said, well, Mike, well, why, why, do, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, that only happened once in, in human history. Jesus is the only good person ever to walk on the planet. You see, the line between good and bad doesn't run between people. The line between good and bad runs between all of us and God himself. Are you with me? See, sometimes we'll try to say, well, he's bad and he's good, or, or she's bad and she's good. No, 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 wait a second. Good and bad exist in all of us. Man, we all have the potential to be a goat. Can I have a good amen? But because of the sacrifice of Jesus, our relationship with him will determine our eternity. You see, when you get to heaven, you're going to be surprised, I think. I think there will be three surprises. You'll be surprised who is there. You'll be surprised who's not there. And you may be surprised that you're there. Come on, somebody. Do not let man draw the line. Only God does. He's seated upon the throne, Jesus and the heavenly host. Now, notice all of these things. Now, notice the three parables, the, the, the bridesmaids. Notice the, the parable of the talents, those three servants. And now we're talking about sheep and goats. Notice how it's hard to tell them apart. Think about this. The sheep and the goats graze together in the same field. The bridesmaids, the five wise and the five foolish, they were all a part of the same wedding party. The servants with the talents, they all served in the same house. Yet Jesus knows those that belong to him. Now look at what it says in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, they'll say, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. How many of you, you, you want to be on the right and you want to hear that? Oh, come, those of you that are blessed, there's an inheritance waiting for you. Look at what he says in verse 35. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. The second thing I want you to see is this. Number two, in the kingdom, little things are a big deal. They really are. Sometimes I think in this world we have things mixed and, and, and matched. You see, Jesus said, when, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. Those are just basic needs. Food, water, clothing, refreshment. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was in prison and you visited me. I, I had a headache and you gave me medicine. Uh, listen, those are just simple, ordinary, everyday things. Can I tell you, church, you don't have to be a Bible college scholar. You don't have to have talent or ability in preaching or singing. You don't even have to perform miracles. Can I have a good amen? It's, it's the little things that mean a lot. Everybody has the ability to fall into this. You can fall into this category of being at the right hand and being his sheep. It's as simple as a personal relationship with Jesus that is expressed in the little things we do along the way. You know, when I was first called into ministry, I was young. 24 years ago, I was called into ministry. I was young and I was good looking. Now I'm just good looking. Come on, somebody. But I can remember being so ambitious. And I would pray prayers like, Lord, I want to do big things for you. 
Oh, God, I, I, I'm just dreaming big. Lord, I'm just believing that what you put inside of me is enough to change the world. And, and I remember having all these grand ideas and, and these, this huge plan to change the world. Big things. And then I felt like the Lord say, well, wait, wait a second, Mike. Can you just be faithful with the little things? Can you do the little things I put in front of you and do them with big love? Come on, somebody. It's not the big thing. Sometimes we wait for our big one-time moment, and God's saying, I'm giving you little moments along the way. Can you be faithful with the little? Can you make a big commitment to do the little things? Come on, are you with me? Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with dreaming big. I'm going to tell you this. It's important that you have a big dream in your life. you got to believe God for big things, but you've got to be faithful with the little things. And then you got to trust him with all things. Come on. Believe God for big things. Be faithful with the little things, but then trust him in everything. I love what Hudson Taylor, the great missionary, said. He said, a little thing is a little thing. But faithfulness in the little things is a great thing. You know what? This is perhaps one of my favorite things about you. This is what I love about our church. It's the simplicity of serving. That's what we've committed to. And you know, there are great churches in this community, great churches across the globe. And I think each church has a contribution to the kingdom. And I want to tell you this, and I want you to hear this. Hear this from my heart. It takes all different kinds of churches to reach all different kinds of people. And that's why I can't stand when one pastor will stand up on his pulpit and attack another church. It just grieves my spirit when I see churches fighting over jealousy and selfishness and who can do what better. Listen, each church has a contribution to the kingdom. And it takes all different kinds of churches to reach all different kinds of people. You know, there are some churches that are meant strong in leadership, and that's their gift. Some churches that have this prophetic thing, and man, it's the gifts and prophecy, and, and that's their flow. Some churches are amazing when it comes to kids' ministry and students and reaching the next generation. There are some churches, you know, Hillsong and Bethel, and, and man, they got music that has shaped worship around the world. You know what I love about Healing Place? I love that we serve with passion. I love that when it comes to crisis, when it comes to pandemic, when it comes to hurting people, we just roll up our sleeves and we say, you know what, if somebody's hungry, we can cook a meal. If somebody's thirsty, man, we got a bottle of water. If somebody's hurting, man, let's just get in and serve. You know, every church has a great contribution to the kingdom, but I love that Healing Place does this the best. This is what God has called us to. Listen, church is never meant to be a museum of perfect people, but we're a hospital filled with broken people. Some of you that that drove in here today, when you came up onto this property, those of you that even at Denham, when you drove onto that property, you saw on that sign it said Healing Place Church. And then underneath it, it said what? A healing place for a hurting world. That tells me that a little old church like us can make a big difference when we commit to do the little things with big love. Are you with me? Sometimes it takes meeting a physical need before we can even address spiritual needs. Can I say that again? Sometimes it takes us 
practically, tangibly adding value to a person before we can address the gospel. Sometimes it's hard for people to hear anything when they're in pain. When they're in pain, hey, please take away the pain. Please come help me. Man, if I'm, I know the, yeah, thank God for the gospel, but right now, man, there's brokenness in my soul, in my emotions, in my family. Can somebody help me? And when you address a practical need, then it gives you the credibility to speak to the spiritual condition. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You see, compassion, Jesus is saying, when I was sick, when I was hungry, when I was thirsty, when I was in prison, you did all these things. Now, look at what it says in verse 37. Are you, are you catching this today? Then the righteous ones, again, these are the sheep. They're going to reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or, or when were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink? Or a stranger and, and show you hospitality? Or, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and Come visit you. And the king will say this. I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Oh, this is good. Are you all getting ready to shout now? Check this out. Third thing I want you to see is this. Jesus identifies himself with the least. With the least They said, Lord, when did we see you? Surely if we had seen you, we would have recognized that that was you. Listen, the righteous were surprised to be noticed because when they served, they didn't do it to be noticed. Come on now. They were surprised that Jesus said what he did. Well, Lord, when did we ever see you? And he said, when you've done it to the least, you've done it unto me. Isn't it amazing how Jesus said, when you serve, when you give, when you love, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing? Unfortunately, our culture says, when you serve, when you give, when you love, serve with your left hand and take a selfie with your right hand. Come on, talk to me. Hey, I want to make sure everybody gets a chance to see. I want all of my Facebook friends to know what I've done today. It's like, whoa, 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 wait, then you lose your reward. You, 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 you've just missed it. You, that's not what this thing is about. You see, human nature, you know what human nature loves to do? We love to name drop and to photo op with the who's who. Come on, somebody. Isn't that what nature wants? Our humanity says, look at me, notice me. Did you see what I did? We want to name drop. Anybody ever been around famous people? Yeah, and, and, you know, we've all got our stories, our moments. We run into somebody, and it's like, okay, got to get a picture with them and then post it, check this out. Listen, I was thinking about this several years ago. I was at a church conference in Jacksonville, Florida, and one of my pastor friends came to me, and he said, Mike, I know you're a big basketball fan. You love Duke. You love Duke basketball. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm making a confession. LSU is my team, but I have been a closet Coach K Duke basketball fan since I can remember some of you are starting to pray for your pastor right now. Rachel's like, how can you cheer for a blue devil? It's a devil. How can you cheer for the devils? I'm like, well, I, I don't cheer for the, I'm, I'm on God's side, but I love me some Duke basketball. And Christian Leitner, okay, that may be a name that some of you may know, some of you may not. So this pastor friend of mine says, hey, I got a buddy who pastors here in Jacksonville, and he is Christian Leitner's pastor. And they're going to have coffee this afternoon. Would you want to meet Christian Leitner? I'm like, does the sun rise in the east and set in the west? 
Of course it does. Yeah, so I had to change my flights to stay longer so I could have coffee with Christian Leitner. Anybody impressed? <laughs> Neither is God. Okay. <laughs> so look, so we're on our way to have coffee with Christian. And this is me and Tony Finical, one of my board members. And Tony's a big Kentucky Wildcat fan, all right? So Duke and Kentucky, man, they are rivals, all right? But uh, so I said, Tony, we, if we're going to have coffee with Christian Leitner, man, we got to get him to sign something, autograph something. And so we stopped at a sports apparel store. And, man, we were looking for anything that had Duke on it, man. I mean, I had, this is a once-in-a-lifetime moment. And so we see some hats, some white hats with a blue D. And I'm like, this is perfect. So we meet up, man. We're having coffee and trying to be real cool about, hey, what's up? Yeah, I'm just, I'm a pastor down in Baton Rouge. What's happening? And this is like Christian Leitner, man, played on the dream team, dude, former NBA, man. He's the, I mean, every record in NCAA tournament history is owned by Christian Leitner. And so, man, we're just having coffee. Hey, look, I got a son, man. Could you sign his hat for him? I know he's going to love Can I get a picture? So, man, we had that moment, jumped on the plane, got home, and I'm like, hey, Trevor, check this out. Look at what I have. It is a Duke hat signed by Christian Leitner. And he looked at it, looked at the signature on it, and he turned on the back. He's like, Dad, why does this have NFL, the NFL logo on the back of the hat? I'm like, what? I look, sure enough, that blue D wasn't for Duke. It was for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I have an authentic Dallas Cowboys hat signed by Christian Leitner. And I'm sure when he signed it, he thought, you poor, pitiful pastors from Baton Rouge, you don't even know your sports. Come on, somebody. Listen, Jesus is not impressed when you name drop and you photo op. Can I have a good amen? He says, listen, I'm going to identify myself with the least, with the weakest, not with the who's who, but with the, the nobodies. If you'll go and serve the nobodies, you will find me. You see, here's the thought that I had. Have you seen the, and I don't know if it still airs or not, have you seen the TV show called Undercover Boss? Is that not awesome? It's where like the senior executive or CEO of the company, he disguises himself as an entry-level employee and he's serving down, um, you know, in some of the lower levels of the business. I mean, he's all disguised. And I thought, you know how, and, and you know how it works. I mean, it, he works for a week or two and then sees all the effort that they put forth. And then at the end, he reveals his identity and man, they bless the employee. It's just beautiful. I love it. And I, I thought about that when I was reading this. Because I wonder how many times we thought, well, man, this was just that ordinary guy across the street. But it was really Jesus waiting to be discovered, hidden in disguise. Man, that, when, 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 we, when we gave that backpack or the school supplies to, to that student, it wasn't just that student. It was Jesus waiting to be discovered, hidden in disguise. I wonder if when we get to heaven with the, you know, that was just a meal that so-and-so had surgery, and I, I just brought him a meal. He says, no, 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 it wasn't for your neighbor. That was me. It wasn't just that family over Thanksgiving that you gave that ham for fams to. That was me. It wasn't just a bicycle for those kids. That was me. When you did it to the ordinary, you didn't realize that there was something, there was someone extraordinary that was disguised in the middle of all of it. And this is a church that's committed to serving the least, the last, and the lonely 
you know, whatever I'm doing, I have to realize I could be doing this unto the Lord. Whatever I serve and give and help and add value, man, it's not just the face of the individual, but it's literally Jesus wrapped up and disguised. Somebody said, Mike, why don't we see more of Jesus these days? Can I tell you, Jesus is all around us. Jesus is, is hidden and disguised as that coworker, that neighbor, that friend, that family, that student, man, that, that, that nursing home patient, the elderly, the poor. You see, anywhere in Scripture where you find hurting people, broken people, lonely people, depressed people, you find Jesus close by. You want to be close to Jesus? Then get close to the poor. Get close to the broken. Those that are are, are disenfranchised, depressed, or confused, you'll find Jesus. Wherever you see them, you will find him. Can I have a good amen? Now, let, let me wrap this up. Verse 41, then the king. The king will turn to those on the left. He'll say, away with you, you cursed ones. Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil... And his demons. For I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was thirsty. You you gave me no drink. I was a stranger. You didn't invite me into your home. I I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I, I was sick and in prison. You didn't even visit me. Then they will reply. Lord. When did we ever see you? Hungry. Thirsty. Stranger, naked, sick, or in prison, and not help. Lord, if we would have seen you, surely we would have served you. Come on, are you with me? When did we ever see you? You you weren't there. And he says this, verse 45, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Now, it's, this is a tough way to, to end not only this message, but this series. And the sobering, the sobering reality is this, number four, not everybody is going to make it to heaven. Not everybody is going to make it to heaven. Jesus says, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And there are many who will enter through it. This is tough. You say, Mike, surely surely we can end it a a, a different way. And I felt like the Lord instructed me to tell you it is so important for us as a church, for you as an individual to know where you're going. You got to know. And if I'm a good pastor... I'll tell you the truth. Not everybody makes it into heaven. I, 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 wish, uh, I wish it were different. But the truth is, there, there are sheep on the right hand. There are goats on the left hand. It's not my decision who makes it in. But I do know this. My relationship with Jesus will determine what group I'm in. If I truly love you as your pastor, you know what love does sometimes? Love warns. Love war- Warning is a big part of love. How many of you parents have ever warned your children? Hey, be careful. 
Watch out for. Hey, listen, when you get over here, you need to be careful for this. What do you, you're motivated by love. You're warning them. I prayed last night when I went to bed, Lord, how to end this in a way that's filled with hope. You know what's interesting? This morning, in the wee hours of the morning, I was awakened. And I thought it was my alarm clock. It was unusually loud. And so I turned to the nightstand to turn off my alarm, and nothing went off. This no, ah, 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 ah. It was a smoke alarm. I was like, how many had the smoke alarm go off? And it's the worst time ever. I was in such a good sleep, deep sleep. I mean, drool. I was just, I'd probably been snoring. I was like, dead. that thing raised, literally raised me from the dead. And it's like, okay, great. What's the deal? Is it smoke? Is it carbon monoxide? Is it a battery? I get the ladder. Get up. Take the battery out. I just, I, please, just be quiet. I find myself negotiating with a smoke alarm. You ever had that? I'm like, you're going to wake the whole house up. The whole neighborhood is up by now. I can't believe this of all time. I got church today. I got to preach. I got to be referenced. Finally, I pulled the alarm out the wall. Wires hanging out. Come on, talk to me. You ever did that? Whew. Okay. Noise is gone. It's great. Fantastic. Well, I solved the noise, but did I eliminate the danger? Come on, are you with me? Sometimes the gospel goes forth, and it's an alarm. And it's a loving father saying, hey, I'm coming back soon. Oh, prepare your hearts. The bridesmaids, don't be foolish. Be wise. Be filled with the oil of expectation. Oh, in case you missed it, the parable of the talents. Use the gifts that I've given you. Okay, if that doesn't do it, maybe the sheep and the goats. The sheep and the goats. Hey, there's coming a day. When the righteous judge will sit upon his throne, people say, don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me. Listen, you will be judged. And it won't be by man. It won't be by Facebook. It won't be by any friends. It won't be by coworkers. It won't be by an angry mob. It will be by the Lord Jesus Christ. And my prayer for us as a spiritual family is that we would be ready for the return of the Lord. That we would be actively using our gifts and through compassion, helping people find heaven. You receive that today. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.